welcome to Starkville Church of God. This is our podcast. I wanted to thank you for joining us today. I hope this inspires you, strengthens you, and fills you with God's love so you can share with others. Enjoy the message. Find Matthew 7, verse 13. Mark that. If you've got a marker, put your finger there. And then find 2 Peter 3 and 9. We're going to start in 2 Peter 3, 9, and then we'll go to Matthew chapter 7. So good to see you here in the house of the Lord on this fall break Sunday. Startful schools have been out for two weeks getting done. Startful Academy kids are go. They got Monday and Tuesday. They ain't even started their fall break. And then state has been out Thursday and Friday. Anybody enjoy a quiet time around town this weekend no games not many students it's been a lot easier to get around town we love our students but every once in a while it's nice to not take 20 minutes just to get across highway 12 somebody say amen second peter chapter 3 and verse 9 is where we're going to start. I'm reading uh, this morning from the New King James Version, 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 9. It says this, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Now would you go with me to Matthew chapter 7. And verse 13, we're going to read verses 13 and 14. Jesus here speaking. If you've got red print in your Bible, you'll see this is in red. Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it, because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life, and there are few that find it. I want to speak to you this morning on the subject, seven roadblocks on the highway to hell. Seven roadblocks on the highway to hell. Would you stretch your hands this way and pray for me as I do the same for you? Father, I thank you for this morning. Thank you, God, for a wonderful service at nine this morning. Thank you for a wonderful time already here in this 11 o'clock service. And Father, I pray for every person under the sound of my voice, Lord, whether in the room today, whether listening by podcast, I pray that you'd open their hearts, their minds, and their spirits. I pray that the Word of God would fall onto good ground, producing a hundredfold harvest in Jesus' name. Now, I ask that you'd help me today. God, give me the anointing that I I need. Give me the clarity of thought, the clarity of speech that is so absolutely necessary to do what you've called me to do here today. Father, we just thank you and praise you for anything good that is done. And we'll be careful to give you praise, you honor, and you glory in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody in the house said, amen. Before you see to turn around to four or five people, give them a fist bump and tell them, I'm glad to see you at church this morning. William Booth, the founder of the Salvation Army, said this. He said, the church wants to get people saved and send them to four years of Bible college. But I would like to get people saved and put them in hell for one minute. That would be the greatest soul-winning tool that could ever hit 
their life. Think about that for a moment. One minute in hell. Now, I'm, I know it's old-fashioned, but I think if you've heard me very much, then you know that uh, I, I still hold pretty firm to some old-time old things, I guess. I still believe that there's a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. I believe that every person that has been born to planet Earth, they have an eternal soul, and that eternal soul will spend eternity in one of two places, either heaven in the glory and the presence of the Lord or hell in eternal torment. I know that's not PC. I know that it's not talked about a lot today. I know that I probably can't write a best-selling book or get everybody to shout and run the aisles about that, but it's the truth. Here's the good news, though, that God's will is not for anyone to go to hell. As we read there in 2 Peter, it's not his will that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. You see, hell was never made for people anyway. Hell in, in original, uh, it was originally made for who? For Lucifer, the fallen angel, and the third of the angels that fell with him. Hell was designed for Satan, for his demons. In fact, that's why the Bible tells us that hell is enlarging herself. Because when God made it, it was never for you and for me. It was the sin that we allowed in that made that happen. But God's will is not for anybody to have to go to hell. God wants everybody to be able to go to heaven. You know, in a world that's so full of choices, there's really only two roads to travel in life. Now, I know you've heard me preach this, and it's the truth. I, 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 I counsel with and talk with and preach to and talk to, you know, so many young people. We live in this time, and just this week sat down with somebody, and, you know, I, it, it's crazy that, that people, and I've said this before, I'll say this again, you know, young people have to make so many huge decisions. You know, once you, once you hit senior in high school or even junior, senior in high school, and you're going to college, you have to make so many ginormous decisions that will affect you for the rest of your life, and you're still really young, and up until that point, you've really not had to make a lot of decisions on your own, because most of us, our mom and daddy made those decisions for us, and, and so well, there's so many choices and so many decisions in life, but really, it comes down to there's only two roads to travel in life. First of all, and these are in the words of Jesus, I told you there in the book of Matthew chapter 7, first of all, that one road is the narrow road. Now, I don't believe that that road, it's not always easy. That road is uncomfortable at times. That road will cost us at times. Jesus said, if any man will follow me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. It is truly the road less traveled. You know, as you read verse 14, because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life, and there are few who find it. This road, this narrow road, the road that leads to heaven, the road that goes through Jesus Christ, it is the road less traveled. And the only other way is the broad way. It is the fast lane to destruction. It is truly the more popular road. And it is the road that is filled with worldly pleasure. 
I think y'all know me well enough by now. I know that I'm, I'm more worried than answering to anybody else. I'm worried about answering to the Lord when I stand before him one day. And so I believe in preaching the word and what it says. And the word tells us that there is pleasure in sin for a season. So I'll tell you that, yes, that broad way, that, that, that wide road, that big wide, wide highway, it's filled with worldly pleasures that will make you feel good for a little while. But the end of it is destruction. But God is so good. And God is so merciful that even on this highway to hell, he will put up roadblocks to try and get us off of that wrong road and get us on to the right road. You see, God doesn't just let us careen out of control on that highway to hell. God will put up roadblocks. He will put things in our way to try to grab our attention and say, you are headed down a path of destruction and I have a better way for you to go. So as I tell you in all of my messages, there's no one, one, no one sermon is going to fill your life. That's why every single day we're supposed to read this and study this. And, and so even, it's crazy, even after starting the 9 o'clock service, by the time the 9 o'clock service was over with, I had two more roadblocks and I could change it to nine roadblocks, but I don't have the time this morning, so I'm not going to do it. But again, this is not the only one. And you know what? The Spirit may speak to you throughout this message and say, here's some more here, roadblocks on the highway to hell. I'm going to look at seven for our purposes this morning. Are you all ready? Number one, the first roadblock I want to look at is the church. Everybody say the church. There are some people that think it's outdated, some people that think it's unnecessary, but you've heard me say this before, and I'll continue to say it, the church was God's idea. The church was not some man's idea. I know there are man-made parts. You've heard me say this before. There are some parts of the church, some things that we do that have been man's idea, but the idea of the church itself was not some man's. The idea of the church has always been God's. And the church, she is the bride of Christ, whom he gave his life for, the scriptures say, and the church, I believe, is a major roadblock on the highway to hell. Every church you pass, whether a traditional building like ours or perhaps a storefront, whether it's a small country church out in the backside of nowhere or a sprawling metropolitan megachurch campus, no matter which one they are, I believe that every single one of them are a warning and a roadblock to people that are careening down a highway to hell to say, stop and and look at the direction that you are headed. Every service that is held, every song that is sung, every VBS that is conducted, every Sunday school lesson, every Wednesday night class, even youth camps that are conducted by the church, they are all part of the ministry of the church, and I believe that they are all roadblocks to those that are headed down a highway of destruction that are thrown up to say, stop, you are headed a wrong direction. There is a better way for you to go. I believe the church is here proclaiming through all that we do. Stop heading down the road that you are going because there is danger ahead. Unfortunately, some choose to go around 
this roadblock. Just like any other roadblock, I had Officer Soto was sitting here in the 9 o'clock service. Trooper David is sitting back there. Jared was somewhere. Our, our law enforcement officers know that even sometimes when they put up barricades and roadblocks, sometimes people still do what? They'll still go around them no matter what. And so we, we find that just like those roadblocks, some people, they'll go around the roadblock of the church. But that's not the only one. Number two, the second one I want to look at today are sermons. You know, we, we, we come here Sunday after Sunday, and, and a lot of times, sometimes you may think, why in the world do we do this? I want to take you to 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 21. The Apostle Paul here is writing to the church in Corinth, and he says this, For after that in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God, it pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. You see, God saw the world. He saw humanity. And it said that in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. In other words, it's not through our intellect that we can ever understand God or grasp God or follow God. Can I just tell you, I know that we live in a town. You know, I'm all about education. I've got a bachelor's degree. My wife's got a master's degree. You know, our daughter's now working on her bachelor's degree. We, I believe in education. There's nothing wrong with education. But listen, wisdom and knowledge can never get you to God. In fact, God said, I'm going to mess, this is RDL version here. God said, I'm going to mess y'all up. It's not going to be through your smarts, and it's not going to be through your intellect that you're going to know me. It's going to be through the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. So God himself says it. He said, I know it's silly. God is looking down and says, I know in the eyes of the world, it looks silly for y'all to come every single Sunday and hear me spit and stutter and snort and yell and sweat and preach the word of God to you. But God in his wisdom to show us that we aren't as smart as we think we are and we're not as great as we think we are. He chose to use sermons preached by imperfect people to throw a roadblock in the middle of the highway to hell. Every sermon preached is a roadblock. Are you ready for this? Even if the preacher has bad motives. Look at Philippians chapter 1. Look there with me. If you, I want you to see this. Philippians chapter 1. I'm reading out of the NIV. Philippians chapter 1 verse 15 says this. It is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing they can stir up trouble for me while I am in chains. Stop right there. The Apostle Paul's writing this. The Apostle Paul, when writing this, is in prison for preaching the gospel. And he says, there's some that do it for the good. They love God. They're doing it for the right reason. And he said, there's some, they're out there preaching because they think they can stir up for trouble for me while I'm in chains. All right, let's pick back up. He says this, verse 18. This is a guy in prison here. He said, but what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is 
preached. And because of this, I rejoice. Yes, and I will continue to rejoice. He says here, there's folks out there preaching Christ for the right reason. There's folks out there preaching Christ for the wrong reason. There's some folks out there preaching Christ because they love Christ. There's some yahoos out there preaching Christ because they just want to stir up trouble for me. But here I am sitting in chains, sitting in prison. But what in the world does that matter? As long as they are preaching Jesus, it doesn't matter whether it's false motives or true motives. As long as Christ is being preached, I'm going to rejoice. And yes, I will continue to rejoice. Why is that? Because Paul realized that every time Christ is preached, it is a roadblock on the highway to hell for somebody to tell them that they've got to stop and go a different way. Every biblical sermon is a roadblock, whether live streamed online, whether on television, whether in print form, or even given in conversation. You know, I've heard, I told the 9 a.m. this, you know, I've heard some really good sermons just in conversation. There's been times where I've been in conversation with people, and, and I hear a really good, in fact, I'll say, I need to, I need to write that down. I, I, really? I did. Hey, Rachel gave one the up Wednesday night. She gave one. I was teaching a lesson. She, hey, she was, the, what do they say now? She's spitting truth and everything. She gave one. I wrote it down. I may preach it one day. Who knows? But I've heard some of the, some of the best sermons have not even been with, with a towel and a microphone and a pulpit. Sometimes even the best sermons is given in conversation. I got to keep moving. The next roadblock we find is this. Third it's the Word of God. It's a roadblock that just simply won't go away. They've tried to burn it. They've tried to erase it. Kings have tried to get rid of it, but it just won't go away. That's why the Lord told Israel back in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 6 through 9 this. He said this, These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. You see, the Lord was letting them know how important his word is. That the word of the living God needs to be everywhere. He said, put it on your forehead. Tie it on your hands. Write it on your door frames of your houses. You see, I believe it's significant that the Ten Commandments used to hang in all of our courtrooms across America. I believe it's significant when we see scriptures posted in our homes because I believe that the scripture, the Word of God, it is a roadblock to scream to somebody that is on the highway to hell to stop the way they're going. The next roadblock is this, number four, your conscience. You see, there's nothing more tormenting, tormenting than the power of a conscience. You see, the conscience has won some of great, history's greatest men to the Lord because it deals with us in the secret place even when nobody else knows or realizes. 
You see, where the preacher can't go, your conscience can go. Where your Sunday school teacher, where your mama, where your daddy, where the person you look up to cannot go, your conscience is always there. And I know that there are those that have gotten good at ignoring their conscience. And, and after doing that for a while, it can become callous. But I believe that every person has been given a conscience. And it is that that will throw up a roadblock many times on the highway to hell. The next one I look at, number five. Are y'all ready for this one? Number five is a mother's prayer. See, I want to tell you this morning, I told the 9 a.m., and I meant it for every single one of those, and I mean it for every single person here. God has somebody praying for you. I truly believe that. I believe that every single one of us has got somebody praying for us. Back in the olden days, back coming up in church, back when we used to sing specials, and this is not me advocating to bring them back. This is just my memory going back to an old song we used to sing. It said, somebody prayed for me. They had me on their mind. They sacrificed their time. They fell down on their knees and prayed for me. They had no doubt that God could bring me out, that he could change my life and set me free. I'm so glad that someone prayed for me. You see, I'm thankful. I'm thankful that I've got people that are praying for me. I'm thankful that all my life I've had people praying for me. Listen, whether you know it or not, somebody's praying for you. If it's not your mother, it might be a grandparent. If it's not a grandparent, it might be a father. It might be a sibling. It might be a friend. It might be a pastor. might even be a former pastor or youth pastor or children's pastor. Or you never know, but somebody, somewhere, you never know when God has put you on their heart and praying for you. And I believe that the only reason some of us are even still alive is that somebody was obedient to the Lord and somebody decided that they'd obey the Spirit and they'd plead the blood of Jesus over our lives and pray for us that God would keep us and watch over us and protect us and put us on the right path. Prayers that have been prayed may be answered even after the person that prayed them is dead and gone. Some of you have, some of you have heard me tell this before, but I'm going to tell it again because I know everybody here, you've not been here for a long time. Jamie and I, we pastored a, a guy, he was 70 years old, 70-something years old when we first went to Loosedale. He had only been saved about a year. And his testimony was this. It took him 70 years to finally give his heart to the Lord. But he could remember years before his daddy praying for him to get saved. And his daddy had been dead and in the grave for many years, even before he accepted the Lord. But I just need to let somebody know, some praying mama, some praying grandmama, some praying daddy, some praying granddaddy, somebody that's been praying, listen, I need you to know that your prayers will outlive you. 
I need you to know that the God that we're praying to, he doesn't slumber, he doesn't sleep, he's not dead, he's not going to die, he's always going to be there. And when you pray to him, your prayers are stored up. He's remembered every one of them, and you may not see them in your lifetime. The guy I'm talking about, his dad that prayed for him, never saw him get saved on earth. But oh, can I tell you, there was a reunion in heaven. There was a day that came when now he's dead. And when he walked into heaven, his dad was able to see that his prayers had come to pass. Don't you stop praying for somebody. Your prayers could be a roadblock on the highway to hell. The next roadblock is this, number six, the sorrows of life. You see, if God can't reach you through church services, sermons, or your conscience, he will allow tragedy to come into your life to get your attention. Now, I know some of y'all are going to start squirming on this. You don't like the thought of that. In our little weak American theology, we don't like to think that God may actually allow us to suffer sometimes. But can I tell you this? No amount of tragedy or sorrow can be so bad here on this earth that it's not worth going through to avoid eternal torment in hell. There is nothing that we could go through here on earth that would be so bad that when in the scope of eternity, we could look back and say, that just wasn't worth it. You see, I have personally never won anybody to the Lord by conducting weddings. Never. Never have I done it. Weddings, most of the time, hopefully, they're joyful occasions. Everybody's happy. The bride and the bridesmaids, they done been to the tanning bed and they've got their nails done. They've lost that weight. You know, everything's good. Sometimes maybe even the mother of the bride, you know, got them a new dress. Everybody's happy, you know. Everybody's just, it's all goody, yummy, yes, everybody's happy. And there's a, listen, that it should be that way. But our first church we pastored in Illinois, we had a daycare there that consistently, we consistently had between 90 and 100 children there. And because of that connection, anytime you have kids that young, you're going to have young adults. Now, not everybody does it the way that the Bible said, that you're supposed to get married and then have kids. And so we'd have some come in, and because I was there, I mean, it was right there on the church property. Many of them knew I was at a lot of the events that we did, and we did a lot of outreaches to those families and everything, so people were familiar with me. And so, you know, I started getting some of these, some of these couples would come in and say, hey, Pastor, we, would you mind doing our wedding? We want to get married. And so, you know, it was only our second church. I was still young in ministry, and I'm thinking, you know what? This is going to be a great outreach. We'll win a lot of people to the Lord through this. And so I started agreeing to them. Well, 
you know, if you're going to do it, I'd say, well, if I'm going to marry you, I, I want you to go through some premarital counseling, which I will do. So, we'd sit down, we'd begin to have hours of premarital counseling, and I would encourage them, you know, hey, you know what, as a young couple, as a young married couple, one of the best things you can do, you know, I mean, I'd hit them with it. I'd be like, you need to find yourself a church. You need to get yourself in church. You need to get your child in church. You need to, you know, do, I, I'd fill them full of that. So, we'd spend hours doing that. And then, of course, there's always the Friday night rehearsal. And so, we'd have to go and spend a couple of hours on a Friday night doing a rehearsal, going through all of these hoopla things. And listen, some, some weddings, and I just tell you, some weddings, they got a, they got a uh, wedding coordinator who she knows exactly what's going on, and she knows everything. And sometimes I've walked into weddings, and I, I walk up and show up to do my part, and they look at me as like, uh, what do we do? <laughs> so we go through rehearsals. Then the next day we get up and then we have a wedding. We have a couple of hours in a wedding. And, and then after Illinois does it a little bit, but listen, down here in the South, how most of us do it, like we did and so many others do, here in the South we'll have a wedding and right afterwards we'll go back to the fellowship hall or somewhere else. We'll have some chicken tenders. We'll have a little bit of fruit and we'll have a little bit of fellowship and then we'll send them off, blow bubbles, throw rice back in the old days, whatever we're going to do, send them off and it's all done. In Illinois it's a little bit different culture there. And so after you go through this wedding, then sometimes an hour or two later, later, sometimes even at a different location, sometimes even across the river over in St. Louis, we didn't have to go to a restaurant or someplace, and it was a full sit-down meal. And I'd go and eat a meal, and about the time they started tearing the club up, I'd be like, see you later. <laughs> I say all that to say, out of all of those that I did, you want to know how many people I won to church through those? Big, fat, zero. Nobody. Listen, I told you it wasn't because I didn't try. I mean, in that premarital counseling, I, I nailed it in them, hammered it in them. You, it's so important that you get your family into church at an at early age, you know, that you start make that a habit of you as a couple. Even afterward, when they come in and out of the daycare, hey, looking for you at church sometime. Zero. I know this is going to make some of you uncomfortable and sound like, oh, God, he's wanting to kill people to get people in church. You know what I can tell you? I have made connections and won people through funerals I have. At a time when people are in sorrow and in grief, and you're able to reach out to them and minister to them and make that connection, far more Throughout those times, have I been able to win people to the Lord and into church through funerals and ever through weddings? Why am I saying this? Because sometimes God will use the roadblock of sorrow in order to get the attention of somebody. The final roadblock, and I'm letting you out of here. I know I went long last week. I've been told by people in my household I went long last week. I had three pillars to give y'all last week. I, the final roadblock we'll look at is this. Number seven, the Holy Spirit. The book of John chapter 16, verses 8 and 9 says this. When he comes, talking about the Holy Spirit, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. About sin because people do not believe in me. You see, it is the Holy Spirit that anoints a sermon, and he's calling right now. It is the Holy Spirit that anoints a sermon, that anoints a song, that anoints a drama or even a phone call, 
Or even, even, even God can believe it or not, even me, y'all know me, even God can anoint a social media post, believe it or not, once in a while, to convict a sinner and to throw up a roadblock. You see, the Holy Spirit will make a sinner feel uncomfortable in their sin. You see, we as a church, you've heard me say this before, and I'll continue to say it. We as a church want everybody to feel welcomed and loved at church. I don't ever, unless somebody is a mortal danger or something like that, but we don't want to turn anybody away at the door of the church. Everybody's welcome. We love everybody to come. But we also rely on the Holy Spirit for is preaching up here and to work through us. And though they may feel welcomed and loved by us, they cannot stay feeling comfortable in their sin, both saint and sinner. My prayer is that nobody can sit through a service, though they feel loved and welcomed, they can't feel comfortable staying in their sin, that the Holy Spirit of God would deal with those, that sin convict of sin so that they could find forgiveness. Jesus was the same way. Now, some people, they want to try to argue you down, but you can't convince me. I've done read way too many times too much about the life of Jesus. And Jesus, he certainly did love everybody. And Jesus certainly did accept everybody to come to him when people, kids, women caught in adultery, people that were of mixed breeds that nobody else wanted to deal with, that all of those things. When people, Jesus was, come, come to me. I love you. I welcome you. I want to talk. But let me tell you what Jesus never did. He never left anybody the same way he found them. Because every time somebody came to Jesus, he would change them. If they came sick, they'd leave healed. If they came in sin, He'd say, what, your sins are forgiven, but go and sin no more. You say, I believe it's through the power of the Holy Spirit that we can operate. Aren't we supposed to? Jesus is our example that just like Jesus, we operate in the power of the Holy Spirit. And we say anybody and everybody is welcome to come here. But our prayer is that the Holy Spirit of God would get a hold of you, would be a roadblock in your life if you are on a highway to hell, that the Holy Spirit would throw up a great big roadblock and say you are going down a wrong path. But we love you so much that we want you to know that it's not God's will that you should perish, but it's his will that you should come to repentance and find yourself on the pathway to heaven. Stand with me, if you will, please. Again, I told you, before we even got done with the 9 a.m., I had two more roadblocks, so this is not all-inclusive today. Maybe even the Spirit has spoken to you. Brother Eric's devotion this morning, he mentioned, he mentioned what was going on. And this morning, he even mentioned using what's going on in the world today as a roadblock to wake people up. He said even people that aren't really considered Christians, they're starting to go around and say, oh, Israel, something's going on. Something's got, I feel something, something's in the air. There's, there's other roadblocks. I know that. And, and the Lord may be talking to you about some of them, and that is great. And these roadblocks can also be used not only just for those heading down the wrong road, but maybe even for some of us who are trying to stay on the straight and narrow to correct our course if we start to veer off. 
don't know about you, but I've been down, I've been down some mountain roads. Anybody ever been down a mountain road before? Now there's some, there's some mountain roads that you can drive on the edge and ain't nothing there but a drop off. But there are some that's got a barrier to keep you from drifting off the edge. You see, these same things that I said God will use as a roadblock sometimes, sometimes they're also a barricade to keep us. When that human tendency, when the flesh, when the enemy is coming against us and we want to sometimes drift off, those roadblocks can even be barricades to help keep us on the straight and narrow. The only problem with these roadblocks is this, that if we ignore them too long, we can become calloused to them. Ephesians 4 and 30 says this, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. You see, sometimes we can get a whole lot of warnings. We can come into a whole lot of roadblocks. And sometimes we choose to keep brushing it off brushing it off, brushing it off until finally we become so calloused and hardened to it that we don't even perceive it's there any longer. Here's my prayer for today. My prayer is, Lord, use us. I've already said the church. The church is a roadblock. Maybe the Lord wants to use you. Maybe, maybe he wants to put some people on your heart maybe to be a praying mother, to be a praying father, to be a praying friend, to be a praising, praying cousin, to be a praying, no matter what it is. Maybe even you don't even know him. Maybe it's somebody that you've observed and you've seen and the Lord's put him on your heart. I don't know, but I still believe God can do that. But I want, I want this morning my prayer to be, Lord, help us to throw up as many roadblocks on the highway to hell as possible. Because we want as many people as can. We want to take as many people to heaven with us as we possibly can. This is not an exclusive club that we're trying to get people out or keep people out. We want as many, as many as will. We cry like the Lord. It's not our will that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. With every head bowed, every eye closed, nobody looking around. I want to take just a moment this morning. Maybe you're here and you've got somebody. You've got somebody on your heart, on your mind, and maybe you've already been praying for them. You've been that praying mama. You've been praying that praying person, whatever your relationship is. Or, or maybe you're here and you say, Lord, make me that. Maybe you're here and you say, Lord, I want to do whatever I've got to do. I want to be a roadblock for somebody that is careening out of control on their way to hell. I want to be a roadblock to tell them there is a better way. That they don't have to die and go to hell. But let me be a roadblock to stand in the middle of the road and say, don't go this way. There's a better way for you to go. If you're here this morning, you've got somebody you want to see saved, or, there's, or you say, God, I want you to use me. I want you to use me as a roadblock. When I count to three, I want you to come. I want you to find a place in this altar. 
You can kneel, you can stand, whatever you want to do. But you know my, my feelings on, on, um, on the situation. There's something about when we make a move toward the altar. I believe there's something significant there. Are you ready this morning? You say, I want to be. I want to be used by the Lord. I want God, God to help me to get somebody. Are you ready? On three, one, two, three. Would you step out from where you are and come find a place in this altar right here and right now? Come, would you do that? Come find a place. Say, Lord, I want, I want to be a roadblock. Maybe you want to pray. You want to pray for somebody. Maybe you've already been praying for somebody. Or maybe God is just in this sermon, in the foolishness of preaching. He has laid somebody on your heart, and he wants you to pray for them right now. Come on, just find your way up to this altar right now, and let's pray to God. Let's pray for them right now. Help us. Help us to be a roadblock. That's it. Come on. However you feel comfortable, come kneel. Come sit. It doesn't matter. Just come and find a place right now. They're going to begin to pray and we're going to pray that God would just help us. God would just help us right now in Jesus mighty name as they begin to sing.
that you have placed here on earth. So I pray that you would help us as you've called us to be a city set on a hill. Lord, that you would help us, oh God, to be a major roadblock in every song we sing, every word we speak, every sermon that's preached, every event we hold. Let everything that we do here be to be a roadblock for somebody on the highway to hell, that we would show them that they don't have to go that direction. They don't have to live that way. There is a better way. There is a better way, oh God, in Jesus' mighty name. Help us as a church to be a major roadblock in our community, I pray. In the mighty name of Jesus. In the mighty name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Thanks for listening to our podcast. Find out more about us. Follow us on social media at Starkville COG. Special thanks to those who generously support this ministry. If you would like to give, visit us at StarkvilleCOG.com forward slash give. And if you've enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next week.